In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. The five-day work week is better than the six-day work week. That's for sure. But since the five-day work week was introduced, it's been stuck at five. And I'm just going to ask on this nice spring Friday, why? Why not four days? This isn't just me wanting another day off and wanting you to have one too. This is a data-backed way to make you more productive for your employer, more relaxed in your home life, and require less time off from work to do the little things, like get your passport renewed or your teeth cleaned. It would be one thing if I was to point at a single pilot project and say, this one study here proves this crazy idea just might work. It is a different thing altogether to say, see, here are multiple studies and multiple pilot projects, and here are companies who have actually done this and seen results, and this is how good it's been for them, and there is all this evidence, and we get more evidence every month, and it's massively popular in just about every single poll. So why aren't we doing this? So once more, with feeling, say it with me. Why am I working today? Why are you why can't we have a four-day work week? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Jared Lindzen is a freelance journalist who writes about the future of work and technology, among many other things, and he examined the four-day work week in The Globe and Mail. Hello, Jared. Hello. I want to start with this before we get into four-day work weeks. Why do we have a five-day work week anyway? Where did this come from? It wasn't always this way. It wasn't always this way. Um, it, it came from uh, a lot of activity around the time of uh, industrialization when a lot of things became formalized in a way that they hadn't had to be prior to. Uh, you know, before we worked in factories, it, life was very different. Work was very different. Around the turn of the century, a lot of the rules and conventions that we know as standard today were established, including the five-day work week. Originally, it was a six-day work week, Sunday being the Lord's Day, of course. And then in 1908, the first known American factory switched to a five-day work week to accommodate its Jewish workers who were observing the Sabbath and not working on Saturdays, but were working on Sundays instead. Now, that system worked for a while, but then their Christian colleagues got offended that the Jews were working on the Lord's Day on Sunday, so they just went with a, a five-day work week. But really, it was cemented later on by Henry Ford, who wanted to make sure that his staff could not only afford the products that they were building, but actually had time to enjoy them and thus drive up the automobile market in the United States. And a bunch of this was as a result uh, of union victories, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of fighting going on in, in sort of the, the tens, twenties and thirties that uh, ended up with a lot of the standards that, that we know today. And one of the things that was fought for and, and was eventually passed in the United States in the thirties was the idea of overtime pay. Right. And once overtime pay began at the 41st hour, suddenly every employer was shortening the work week to 40 hours to make sure that they didn't surpass that threshold. So that's almost a hundred years ago. Yes. Um, it's been working reasonably well, uh, well enough that we haven't had any massive union movements or massive corporate attempts to claw it back. Why would we rethink it today? Well, I think, you know, the answer is in the question. I, so much has changed in the last hundred years. I think everything is, is up for debate and primed to be questioned within the modern context. You know, so much of how we work is so different that I think some of these rules and conventions are, are ripe for, for reconsideration. There's a lot of things, obviously, that are different today than they were 100 years ago. But one of the biggest difference is that our output is more often associated with, you know, brain power rather than physical labor, which was not the case. And, you know, the brain needs rest. The brain needs time off. The brain does better when it is not as stressed and not as occupied or preoccupied by non-work-related things. So um, a lot of the arguments for the four-day work week suggest that it might actually improve productivity, which a lot of people think it doesn't make any sense. How could shortening the work week improve productivity? The reality is that if we're so dependent on brain power for the output today, then having a stronger, you know, more relaxed, uh, less distracted brain actually improves output. So where did the concept of moving to a four-day work week initially come from, and how long has it been around? Uh, the four-day work week has been sort of discussed a lot, but I haven't really seen it taken so seriously until the last few years. You know, as, as long as I've been doing this, I've been writing about work for about 10 years now. And there was always a little bit of a conversation in the background about the four-day work week. There was also the same conversation happening about remote work. But as we know, it didn't really take off until the pandemic. The four-day work week is, is kind of the same. You know, I feel like it's been sort of bubbling beneath the surface. There's been people who have tried it and said it works and people who have studied it and say it works. But others who say it's, you know, just not practical or why would we change? You know, if it ain't broke, why do we fix it? I think all of a sudden in the last few years, we've noticed a lot more things that are broken and, and perhaps ripe for fixing. So where has it been tried? You know, you mentioned a couple of studies. Um, I know there have been some pilot projects. Uh, where has it been tried and, and where in Canada? Yeah, I mean, it's been tried all over the world. You know, there's a few corners that you can point to now where there hasn't been some big experiment. Uh, one of the most interesting ones for me was during the pandemic, uh, New Zealand really locked down their borders. And there's such a tourist-heavy economy that they switched to a four-day work week or, or encouraged a four-day work week so that the locals could take part in more of the tourist activities as that industry was suffering during the pandemic, which I thought was interesting. And then, yeah, I started looking at a, a few different companies, everything from tech companies to uh, there was a municipality. In the government of Guysborough, Nova Scotia, uh, gave this a try in the summer of 2020, and it went very well for them. These days, you know, there's a, a growing list of companies that are doing it. I wouldn't say we're at the point where we could say, you know, there's a a sizable percentage of the country that's that's even looking at this seriously, like, you know, it would be in the low single digits. But if you want to count individual companies, 
there's definitely a good number across a very broad range of industries in Canada that are, you know, giving it a shot and taking it seriously. Is there any consensus um, emerging from all these attempts, pilot projects, different companies doing it? And I, I don't necessarily mean a this is great or this won't work consensus, but are there things that we can say we've learned uh, from where it's been attempted? There's a few things that we know. We know that overall, most companies report that productivity is either the same or greater from reducing the work week. We know that definitely employee satisfaction and engagement scores go through the roof for any company that tries that. And in this current labor environment, you know, the big one for most employers is that retention and recruitment also go through the roof. And that's a big important piece of this conversation that we need to discuss, because I think if we were in a different labor market, we might not be talking right now about the reality of of a four-day work week, Uh, you know, but now employees are are firmly in control. And so the conversation is, how do we, you know, improve attraction and retention? And then there's a lot of other smaller benefits that are worth bringing up, you know, less employee absences, which tends to add up over time. You don't need to take as many sick days or, you know, uh, leave it three o'clock to go to a dentist appointment if you have an extra weekday to do those sorts of things. Um, so there's there's a lot of different improvements. Overall, the companies that have tried this generally report that, yeah, productivity stays the same or improves. And the vast majority of the most recent pilots, nine out of 10, say that they will continue doing this on an ongoing basis. Where has the resistance to this or the downside of this made itself seen. You know, you kind of mentioned earlier when we were talking about the five-day work week, you know, why would we change it if it ain't broke, don't fix it? Is that resistance mostly just, you know, inertia or are there things that employers are worried about related to this? I mean, I've considered a lot of the counter arguments. A lot of them are based on inertia in one way or another. You know, once you really dig down into like, why do you really feel strongly that this can't work? A lot of it is the the inertia of this is the way it's always been done. And, you know, how much more can we give our employees? We've already given them flexibility in terms of location. We've already upped salaries this year. Like, what more do we need to throw at them? A lot of companies are not quite accustomed to this dynamic change that we've been talking about, where, you know, the, the candidate pool and the employee base is firmly in control of the labor market. So it seems like there's a lot of just negative feelings around that change in dynamic. That's where a lot of the inertia is. But it's also important to note that, you know, like remote work, the the companies that prepare for this appropriately and that really put in work at the outset are going to have much better results, you know. And, And I know during the pandemic, we didn't really have a choice. A lot of companies just switched to remote work lift and shift what they were doing in the office to a virtual environment. There were so many things that didn't work about that, and they rushed back into the office as soon as possible. There's a lot of other companies that really took the time to study, you know, how do we optimize for a remote-first workforce? And in the end, remote work worked a lot better than in-person, and those are the companies that are probably still remote or hybrid. Um, the same is true of the four-day work week. If you just go into it without making any preparations, without any considerations, it's probably going to be a failure. Um, if you spend a little bit of time at the outset figuring out systems and processes that are optimized for this structure, you're going to end up having a lot more success. My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. 
It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. Let's talk about some practical examples, though. Can you can you give me some picture of what preparing and optimizing and getting ready? I mean, listen, I know we're talking about business stuff here, so buzzwords are uh, are important. But like, can we talk about what a company might do to make this work? Yeah, let's talk about synergies and uh, you know other uh, yeah corporate buzzwords. I'm going to circle back on that later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, the reality is that. Not every employee, this is perhaps going to come as a surprise, not every employee is productive for eight hours a day for five days a week. I know it's a shock. I just try to be productive for about half an hour a day. So Right? There's there's a lot of theories that is sort of like you, you fill the space that you're given for an, a project or an assignment. And so if you're given you know, five days, you'll get it done in five days. If you're given four days, you'll find a way to get it done in four days. So there there are ways to sort of find those efficiencies. It also really depends on the company and the industry. So I will say that businesses that currently don't operate on a five-day, uh, you know, Monday to Friday, nine to five schedule are going to have more of a challenge than those that do. You know, if you're already accustomed to shift work in different hours, then this might not be the right kind of transition. But most companies that are, you know, nine to five, Monday to Friday, are able to find enough efficiency to start narrowing down the day and to, you know, encourage their people to work a little bit harder with that extra incentive dangling in front of them. A lot of businesses in, in Canada already do the, the summer Friday thing. And no one really questions, you know, where are you finding that, that Friday off for half the summer or, you know, the half day for the whole summer, whatever it may be. It's, it's the same thing. You know, if you want to make it work, there's not a lot that you have to do to make it work. It's just, you know, some businesses, for example, I spoke with a law firm, they wanted to keep their business staffed five days a week, but in their employees are only responsible for four of those days. So what happens if someone's trying to reach one of their lawyers on the fifth day that they're off? They need to have a system in place for directing that inquiry to someone who is available. So switching from an individual email system to more of a Teams-based, you know, this email is filtered through three different colleagues and one of them is always working so that they can respond in a timely manner. Those sorts of systems really go a long way. So far, when we've talked about uh, the length of the work week, we haven't talked about hours. Is this something that would typically change? Would we be working uh, four 10-hour shifts, essentially? Uh, or are we talking about actually eliminating some hours of work? Yeah, that's that's the ongoing debate in this area. And you, you'll hear a lot of it once you start digging into it. There's definitely a split going on. And, and I think it's also a lot of employers find it more palatable to start with four 10-hour days. Just easier to stomach for them. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's hard to imagine how are we going to cut eight hours off of our week and still, you know, hit all of our targets and, and maintain all of our, our business goals. And so for them, it feels a lot easier to switch to four 10-hour days. And a lot of businesses have had success with four 10-hour days. I got to imagine those days drag on 
pretty hard, especially, you know, in the winter where it's, it gets dark out and you're still working for three more hours. Like that can't feel like fun. But I will also say that a lot of companies that start with the four 10 hour days end up switching down to four eight hour days. And, and if you talk to the purists, if you talk to the, the real advocates in this space, they'll tell you that the ideal situation is four days, eight hours a day, full pay as if they were working five. And I mean, how much of this is also, while we're talking about like the knowledge economy work, how much of this is also just like people now work unpaid overtime all the time or check their email at 8 p.m. or, you know, answer a reply at 7 a.m. before they have to be at work. Like this work is getting done somehow regardless. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's a hundred years ago when these rules were created, work had a very specific time and place and wasn't very um, portable, let's say. That is definitely no longer the case. And, you know, even some folks who who do work a, a four-day work week are still checking email on the fifth day, you know, maybe even on the weekends and, and evenings as well. And I think a lot of us have the experience of, you know, not being able to fully switch off, which is one of the arguments in favor of the four-day work week. It's that, you know, things don't fall through the cracks as easily anymore, given that we always have access. And if there is any kind of emergency that needs our immediate attention, you know, we can be reached even if we're not in the office. You've kind of touched on this uh, in a couple of your answers around different kinds of work. But should this, you know, gather steam, hit a tipping point, become the norm, who loses out? This is a big shift. Not everybody will make it. And is that fair? People talk about the 40 work week, I think, in the same terms that they talk about remote work. And a lot of the times it seems very binary. You know, when I was writing about remote work during the pandemic, especially in the early days, people would say, well, are we just going to always work remotely? What's going to happen to offices? What about downtowns? You know, the whole world is going to collapse because everybody is going to work remotely all the time. And, you know, the message I'm trying to send is that this isn't the end of a certain way of working and the beginning of a new way of working, which is the easiest way to conceptualize it. But it's the end of a one standard for every kind of employee, every kind of industry, and every kind of worker. Remote work doesn't work for every single human being <laughs> that is employed in, in this country uh, you know, or on this planet. And people seem to, to look at it as we're all going to work remotely, we're all going to work hybrid, or we're all going back into the office. And the reality, as we've seen, is that organizations have the opportunity to pick and choose what works best for them. And I think it's important to look at the four-day work week in the same context. This, this won't work for everybody. It's going to work for a lot more people than you might think, and a lot more industries than, than you might think at the outset. You know, I spoke to a law firm who sells hours, as they put it, and, and it worked very well for them. But there's still going to be a lot of organizations, and especially, like I said, those that uh, are currently dependent on shift work that are very manual, very in-person. It's not going to be as easy to make this transition. It might not be doable, and, and that's okay as well. I, I don't think that you know this is the end of some people working five days. It's just another option on the table that some organizations are going to have success with. What do you expect to see in the next few years and Speaking as somebody who would love a four-day work week and speaking uh, probably to a bunch of listeners that would as well, how fast is this picking up steam? Where do you see it going? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So 
it always seems just around the corner. Uh, you know, there was there was a study that just came out which which inspired the article that inspired you to reach out to me. Um, so <laughs> the study was from Robert Half Canada found that almost 70% of senior managers expect the four-day work week to be standard within the next five years. And five years is kind of a convenient time horizon because it's not immediate. People don't see this change happening this year or next year, but it's easy to feel like it'll happen in the, you know, sort of medium term future. The, The momentum is building. Absolutely. There's more research being done. There's more studies coming out. A lot of the research and the studies are pointing in the same direction that this is just a win-win for employers and employees. It's going to take a long time to actually see this transition happening. I think, you know, if there's a change in the labor market, which I don't suspect there will be immediately, but if all of a sudden the employers are back in control and there is, uh, you know, not as many jobs per worker, then this might take a step backwards. But if things continue on the way that they're going, and this research keeps coming out, the experiments keep happening, and they continue to point in the same direction, then this is going to just keep building momentum. And it's hard to say exactly when that tipping point will happen. Again, I feel like the five-year time horizon is kind of convenient because it's it doesn't feel immediate, but it also feels inevitable. One last quick question. You know, if all the evidence points to this being a win-win, what's the fight about? Is it about power? That's a good one. I, I would have to say it is. And again, it's this this change in dynamic that's really hard for organizations to accept because if you've been a business owner or a manager, uh, you know, for more than the last five years, things went a certain way. There was a certain level of, of power and control that came with being the employer. And you were in the driver's seat, you got to dictate the rules. And, you know, within industries competing for the same talent, there might be a little bit of competition if you're really keen on having the best and brightest. But the incentives for being a top-notch employer weren't really as dramatic. And so the emphasis wasn't as significant. And I think that this change in dynamic, which, you know, you can talk to labor economists, it's a lot to do with just aging population, demographics, things that are so macro that no individual company can really you know, manage that challenge alone. This, this change is happening, and it's hard for a lot of folks who have been accustomed to being in the driver's seat to suddenly take a back seat and say, what do you want as an employee, not here's what I need from you as your employer. And yeah, that change in dynamic has been very difficult and slow. And I think a lot of organizations are kind of sitting back and waiting for it to go back to the way it was. And again, the the macroeconomics, the the demographics, there's just the makeup of this country and the number of workers available compared to the number of opportunities and job postings that there are. It's not going back anytime soon. It'll be fascinating to watch them wrestle with that over the coming years. Jared, thank you so much for this. This is great. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Jared Lindzen, writing in The Globe and Mail. That was The Big Story. You can find more at thebigstorypodcast.ca. We still, sadly, publish Fridays, at least until I am released from my five-day work week. I'm just kidding. We'd still give you an episode. We'd just do an extra one in four days, just like you'd be more productive in four days. You can follow us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN or email us hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Have a great weekend. Rest up. And we'll talk Monday.